Good and gracious God, as we come to you this morning, I pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, knowing that a lamp does not illumine ten steps ahead, but only the next one. And so as we hear this word this morning, I pray that we would see our next step. What is it that you are calling to each of us this morning? How is this word speaking to us? How are you speaking to us and to our heart? How are you calling us forward in relationship with you? For some, that might be just asking the question, who is Jesus? For others, that might be, Jesus, how do I receive you into my heart? For others, it is, Jesus, what does it look like to move on from elementary things, from milk to meat? And yet still, there are even others that that question goes beyond elementary principles and larger principles, but Lord, how are you calling me into the deeper relationship with you? And so, Lord, as we hear this testimony this morning, the testimony of you, your testimony, God, I pray, Jesus, I pray, that you would be revealed to us more and more, and that Austin would get out of the way, and you would make very, very much of yourself this morning. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, or if you want to grab a pew Bible in front of you, and go ahead and turn to John chapter 19, verse 30. That's where we're going to find ourselves this morning. Uh, It is just one verse, and so... Last week, I told you there's not much that can be said about I thirst, and this week, I'm now telling you that we're even a shorter verse, but I might have more to say. We'll just have to wait and see. It'll be a fascinating miracle what the Lord might do through my words this morning. But uh, we're going to be in John chapter 19, verse 30. But before we turn there, I just want to paint us a little bit of a picture of the journey that we've had so far. We actually began by opening the passages of Jesus' final sayings, the seven last sayings of Jesus. Then we started on this journey when he first was hung on the cross and he said out loud, my God, or not my God, my God, he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. We found Jesus praying for the very people that nailed him to the cross Mind you, that was two different groups of people. Nobody was excluded. It was Jew and Gentile, and he asked for forgiveness for all of them. And then as we continued in our journey, we then saw his prayer answered through one of the criminals that was hanging next to him, repenting and asking if he could be with Jesus that day. And Jesus said, surely you will be with me today in paradise. An encouragement to us for the good work of Christ in our hearts. And then we 
heard his words of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the only thing that I can say that stands out above that message in all things is that Christ suffered separation from God so that you don't have to. He experienced it so that we don't have to experience it. What good news. But today, today, we turn our Bibles to what I think might be the most appropriate saying, landing on Easter Sunday. And so if you have your Bibles, read along with me in John chapter 19, verse 30. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished. It is finished. We actually came across that same word last week. We were talking about the words of Jesus when he said, I thirst. And in verse 28, it says, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been finished, in order to finish the Scripture, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And I told you last week we would return to that word finished. Because here, Jesus finally says, it is finished. The Greek, in Greek, it is one word, tetelestai. Tetelestai. And in my opinion, it might be one of the most important words in Scripture. One of the most important and significant phrases for us as we experience the gospel in ourselves. And so what was finished? When Jesus says, it is finished, what was he talking about? Well, the first and most obvious answer was his life. It is finished. The breath that, was, that has been within me must now depart. But the truth, the reality, the, the deeper meaning is not simply that he was giving up his breath and giving up his spirit. The work, the very work that he was to accomplish was done. The work that he came to earth to complete was finished Last week, we talked about how in the context of the passage, when Jesus said, I am thirsty, it had to be that final fulfillment of the prophetic declaration found in Psalm 69. He had to thirst, and sour wine had to be given. And then prophecy was fulfilled. And the way that we talked about that was how Jesus, even in that moment, in his thirst, in his final breaths, was still desiring to fulfill the will of the Father in his life. 
In fact, Jesus came that the Father's will would be fulfilled. And so when Jesus says, it is finished, he's saying, Father, I have accomplished all that you have sent me to do. I am finishing all that you have desired in this earth. As I have walked, I am about to fulfill the final moment of sacrifice so that those whom you have given to me, is high priestly prayer in John 17, those that you have given me would know me and through me would know you. His will, the Father's will was being completed in that very moment. And so Jesus wasn't just saying, my life is finished. He was saying, the will of God to be accomplished by me coming is done. We see this in Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 1 through 10. I'm just going to read this because it's a fulfillment of what we see going on. It says, For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. I'm going to keep going, but let me stop for a second and clarify that the law, the law that God gave in the Old Testament and the process of sacrifice for the atonement of sin only did so much in that moment. But year after year after year, they would have to offer another sacrifice and another sacrifice and another sacrifice continually over and over and over again, year after year after year, in order to make things right. Then otherwise, verse 2, would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, and here's the key verse to everything that we are talking about today. Therefore, when he comes into the world, meaning Jesus, when Jesus comes into the world, Jesus says, sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body, the incarnation of Jesus, a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law, then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. And it is by this will, I'm still reading from Hebrews, 
By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And so here in this passage, the writer of Hebrews is explaining to us that the will of Jesus, or the will of the Father, was accomplished in Jesus because Jesus was given a body. He became incarnate. He was God in the flesh. He became human so that the will of God could be fulfilled. That is, that the final and all-encompassing work of atonement could be fulfilled in a single sacrifice. A single sacrifice that for all people, for all eternity, anyone who believes in him, it would be enough. That the forgiveness of their sin would be finished in Jesus. And so when the Hebrews writer tells us, and it is by this will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus' body broken on the cross was the will of God. And it was the plan of God. First, let me speak to the will. We cannot forget that Jesus also said that it is my life to lay down. It was not just the Father's will that Jesus go to the cross, but it is also Jesus' will that Jesus go to the cross. Jesus did not unwillingly go to the cross and make himself a sacrifice for our sin. Jesus willingly went to the cross for our sin. He willingly gave up his life for you and for me. That's part of the good news of Jesus is that we serve a Lord, a King, who went to the cross willingly, a sacrifice who went willingly. In the Old Testament, the bulls and the goats could not go on their own accord. They were brought at the behest of their master. Jesus both did and fulfilled the will of the Father who is in heaven, but also fulfilled his own will by going to the cross for us. That's good news for us. Jesus didn't go unwillingly. How horrible would it be if Jesus did something he did not want to do? But he did it. He did it for you and for me. And then let me talk about the plan. The plan of God. First Peter verse 20 says this, Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but appeared in these last times for the sake of you, for your sake and for my sake. Jesus was 
always plan A. Jesus was always plan A. It can be really easy to read the Old Testament and think that Jesus was this plan B. That, okay, well, God set up one system in the Old Testament of animal sacrifice to atone for sin, but it wasn't working. It wasn't fulfilling all that needed to be accomplished. And so he came up with a second plan, and his second plan was Jesus. But that's not it. Jesus was always plan A. Jesus was always going to be the way, the truth, and the life into relationship and reconciliation with God the Father. It was always going to be Jesus, and it was always only going to be Jesus. But he came at the appointed time for your sake, for my sake, for our sake, and for the sake of the world. I can't explain why so much time had to pass, and I'm not going to conjecture as to why. But God in his sovereign plan always knew that he was going to send the Son. And the Son willingly wanted to come and put on flesh, humiliate himself, as the writer in Philippians says. By becoming human, God became man for us. Because there is only one sacrifice that could eternally and completely wash us clean of our sin. Only one sacrifice. And that would have been an infinite sacrifice, a divine sacrifice, a sacrifice of God himself, of Jesus on the cross, of the God-man himself. All along throughout, even we have been talking and revealing how the Old Testament all points to Jesus. In fact, almost every single saying of Jesus, we can look to something that was prophetically declared in the Old Testament. We can point to exactly where it said, this is going to happen, and then Jesus fulfilled it on the cross, and he fulfilled it through one of his sayings. Something happened on the cross that was fulfilled through what was prophesied in the Old Testament. And it being finished is no different. The plan of God is no different. Jesus being plan A is no different. different. Genesis 3.15. I know we've heard it before. I've preached it before. But what was God's curse to the serpent? that the seed of the woman should bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus was always the plan from the very beginning. And here, here in today's passage, we see the plan come to fullness. It is finished.
all of God's will, all of the Father's will is done. It is complete. Sin is washed clean. Death is defeated. The enemy no longer has control. Jesus is our answer to every question. He completes every question we could ever ask. He is the one. It is finished. I want to end this morning by reading Isaiah 53, which we've already turned to in a couple previous sermons. We've already seen parts of it. But today today I want to read the whole thing because it paints this glorious picture of what was finished on the cross for us. But it also is a reminder as we come together this morning and eat at the Lord's table. It helps us remind ourselves what it is that we are partaking in. This is Isaiah 53, a prophetic declaration of the Messiah to come who should be a suffering servant. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of Yahweh been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. It is finished. He was crushed for our iniquities. It is finished. The chastising for our peace fell upon him. It is finished. And by his wounds we are healed. It is finished. All of us are like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But Yahweh has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. It is finished. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth 
like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and in judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, that for the transgression of my people, striking was due to him? So his grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But Yahweh was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If you would place his soul as a guilt offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of Yahweh will succeed in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, He will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. It is finished. As he will bear their iniquities, it is finished. Therefore, I'll divide for him a portion with the many. And he will divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many. And it's interceded for the transgressors. It is finished. The full work of God. The will of God in Jesus Christ is done and completed. In this day, we celebrate that completed work. He is for you. Do you hear him saying from the cross for your sin and for your salvation, it is finished. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, thank you. Thank you that you have finished a work that we could never hope or expect to complete. There is no sacrifice that we could make, no work that we could do that would satisfy you. But there was one that could. One where your will was fulfilled. It is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that this day we would call upon his name. And hear his voice. That it is finished. And resurrection life is not just his, but it is ours. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.